Welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls. And if this is your first time listening, this is going to be a little bit different than our normal scheduled programming. Uh, that's because Matt's band, The Classic Crime, is releasing an album, new album, called How to Be Human. And since we have a podcast about starving trolls to create stuff and things, uh, we're going to talk about the album's creation and some of the stories behind it. I know that uh, some of you guys know that we're both in bands and we've been putting out records for a long time, over a couple decades, it feels like. <laughs> um, and sometimes people don't really know like what goes into releasing an album. Um, but we're going to talk about what the record's about. So, Matt. Yes. You've been putting out records for a long time. How is this record different from your previous ones? Well, I mean, every record's different. Every record, you know, I grow up some and I, I gain new perspective and I try to express that in the record. And so sonically, production umbrella-wise, I'm trying to do something different every time. And then also just life experience. You know, uh, since since our last record came out, I had uh, I've had three kids. And so there's a lot of change that happens in that sense of just your perspective shifting in life and you start asking a lot of different questions. And for most of the time, we put out records every two years. And so people can kind of grow along with or, or understand the growth of the songwriting incrementally every two years. But this time, you know, we, we put out a record in 2012 called Phoenix. And then yeah. in 2014, we realized that was our 10 year anniversary as a band. So we wanted to look back and redo a bunch of songs acoustically and kind of rearrange them. So we did that. And so we didn't put out new music between 2012 and 2015. So it's about five years before we put a new album of music out. And so it's a kind of a big leap. Um, a lot has happened in that five years and a lot um, of worldview shifting and reinvestigating some of the agreements I'd made along the way, you know, growing up and figuring out what am I going to take from my upbringing and teach to my kids and yeah. Um, you know, we went down a path and I feel like maybe this is the biggest leap of a record we've ever made because normally there's every two years it's sort of reflected incrementally and this is um, kind of a full five years of, of massive change in my life that's um, informing the songs on this album. So it's different in a lot of ways. I would say different in perspective over those five years. Christy and I went through a bit of a deconstruction period, I would say. Uh, spiritually and psychologically, um, trying to figure out what we actually hold firm versus what we hold loosely. And I think this is a necessary step. I know a lot of people um, might be afraid of that idea. Um, maybe maybe they believe innately or have been taught that the mind is not your friend and you shouldn't explore certain topics because that will challenge or threaten your preconceived notions about the world. Um, but we went fully into that, and that, that led us to a lot of different things um, just in our own life and, uh, and, and arriving to different things. And a lot of that's expressed on this record. You know, both, both you and I were raised pretty um, fundamentalist or at least legalistic, uh, literalist, pretty close um, in, in, in a Christian context. And as I've grown up, I've let more and more of that go. Um, you know, in my early 20s, I sort of embraced a more inclusive uh, gospel, for lack of a better word. Gospel means good news. So a more inclusive good news that is not as ex as exclusive as it was growing up, where we had the only truth and everybody else was wrong. And then I think, you know, in my 30s now, I'm 33, and when I turned 30, I think I, I started questioning even that uh, tradition or narrative. And uh, 
I have arrived not anywhere. I'm, I'm still on the journey, and a lot of the songs reflect different stepping stones on the journey um, on how to be human. So some people want certainty. They want to know exactly what it is that I think and what I'm trying to portray in the songs, and um, a, a lot of it is just expressive of a certain feeling or notion in a period of life or in a season of life. And it's not necessarily where I live right now. It's not a... Yeah, and I I've, think... Sorry. I just want to say I've given up on the fixed position. Uh, I believe life is a continual progression and a journey. And um, so is art and so are albums. And right. I think that's the thing is people don't realize is that, you know, old school days, a way of putting out albums is like you kind of had an album come out every two years. When we started our bands, there was kind of like that. That was the album cycle. You know, that was back when there was a lot of record labels and there was money being made and people were still buying albums and you could still sell 100,000 copies of a record and stuff like that. Right. But you would put out an album in like early 2004 or something, let's just say. You Normally, the albums came out in like the springtime. And then you would tour on that for like a straight year supporting other bands. And then you would do your own headlining tour one headlining tour, and then you come home and write another record. Right. And it was kind of like this, every, you know, album comes out in 2004, album comes out in 2006, album right. comes in 2008, and then all of a sudden, what, just like the music business fell off of a cliff, you started crowdfunding, and this record, you crowdfunded how much money? It ended up uh, getting like 99000 something. So That's it awesome. Was about, it, it was about three times what we asked for to make it. Um, which which puts a lot of pressure um, because you know I'm I consider myself someone who has integrity and I don't um, I'm not in this game to line my pockets or do any you know or cut any corners I really believe that my main calling for lack of a better term in life is to produce honest thought provoking challenging music that reflects yeah. um, that reflects emotions and ideas that other people may may or may not be engaging with but um can identify with in some form so sure. uh, that i try to make it just be the best it can possibly be so i ended up spending a lot more months on the record <laughs> yeah well i mean you know crowdfunding a record is, is a tough process because you have to fulfill everything you have to get a, a direct line of communication with every single person that backs the album right and you have to ship a bunch of stuff and you have to do it all so you have basically every single job that a record label used to do you're doing it all by yourself right and, and then some right. so matt's life right now the fact that you even have time to podcast is a little <laughs> bit uh, crazy i don't know how i'm going to get it all done but... and we've both done this yeah we've done this many times and uh i would say that this is the this is sort of the uh, wild west of music now it's kind of like anything can happen you can throw a video up and it could just take off who knows what's going to happen right um <laughs> stuff that's just possible now that was never possible before the problem is is just because there's so much music out there it's harder for you to get yours into people's ears right there's a lot of competition for sure well what i want to do with this podcast specifically is i want to go down through um I want to do maybe three parts, and so we're going to do the first four tracks of How to Be Human, and we're going to talk about each one, and then we'll do the next four and the next four you know, as, as we get closer to the release of the record. So what I want to do is start with just the introduction. So we're going to do four songs, and uh, let's talk about track one, the intro. Yeah, I think on the CD I call this one Introduction to Dance, but it's just an instrumental track, um, and 
it happened. It just occurred out of the blue in July when we were doing pre-production for the record. We flew our producer out, Michael Basquet. We call him Elvis because he kind of looks like Elvis. But um, we were just sitting in the studio, and I wanted different sounds. And so I bought this Boss Reverb RV6 pedal and because I wanted... I, I, I'll go into more of this, how this record is different as far as sonically, but I built the songs up... Uh, bass and drums first and with guitar or rhythm guitar it's sort of an afterthought and normally I would write rhythm guitar first me either on acoustic or come up with chords in a chord progression but this time I started with drums first and I programmed the drums because I wanted the drums to be as interesting as possible and as groovy as possible then I'd throw the bass over top of that and then I would have what I felt like a Mm. firm foundation this is different than I normally do it but I I did this I limited my tools to this way so that um do something different because I feel like when you limit your tools you're using the ones you have a little bit better and you can maximize the creativity in that way so I had the bass and drums in and I thought you know what instead of just doing the wall of sound you know rock guitars that we normally do I'd like to get some shimmery pedals and get a lot of leads and textures and pads so I bought this RV6, this Boss Reverb RV6, and it has this um, shimmer setting. It's this blend of delay and reverb, and it's swelly. It's got reverse in there, and it's got this octave nature to it where if you play a note and you turn it up, it plays like two higher octaves on it, and it just sounded really cool. And it was literally the first thing I played. I just started playing a chord and just hearing it go and then I just moved my hands across the fretboard and this is the first thing I played and everyone in the room just watched me as this sound came out of the guitar and they were like whoa that sounds cool so <clears throat> so we recorded that in pre-production and I thought that sounds like a great intro to the record <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna set up the record that way go. and uh so yeah this is this is Those it are this the best is- parts yeah, just like stuff that happens. Just in pre-production, just messing around with a pedal. So this is um, intro or introduction to dance. Uh, the first thing I played when I got this new pedal, and here it is. <laughs> So that intro plays right into the next song, Holy Water, and you know yeah. it kind of sets it up as this, you know, this dreamy soundscape, and then it goes into this explosive um, seven-four drum beat, or you can call it four-four, interchanging with three-four time, but um, it just kicks out of that dreamy soundscape into energy, flowing energy, and that was the nature of of Holy Water was it was supposed to be this macro cosmic explosion this big bang essentially <laughs> not to offend people man you're just so alienating <laughs> your hardcore conservative fan base nate and i did a troll talk episode if you want to know more about the inspiration behind holy water and kind of um, answering uh some of the critique or criticisms from people who are a little bit more 
a conservative. Um, there's been a, you know, Nate made this beautiful lyric video, which we posted online on our Facebook page and YouTube. And there's a long comment section uh, of a lot of people asking a lot of questions about it. And if you want to know more about that, Nate and I had a 45 minute long conversation <laughs> on our, uh, on our Patreon and you can go to uh, patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls. And um, it's a behind a bit of a paywall, but uh, if you pledge a dollar or more a month, you can listen to all of our Troll Talk episodes, including that one. It's Troll Talk 4, and it's all about kind of holy water and the response and what um, my thinking is on it. And um, you can go more in depth in, in that regard. Also, you can go to trollspodcast.com and uh, click on Donate. And so once you're in and you pledge a, a dollar to support our podcast, you get all, a bunch of goodies, including that brand new episode um, on kind of the backstory and reaction to Holy Water. Love it. But I want to talk a bit about this song in that um, we didn't we didn't cover this in Troll Talk, but it, it was yeah. initially in- inspired while riding my scooter on Capitol Hill in Seattle, and it was super late at night, and I was in a neighborhood, and I'd stopped at a red light, and there was no one else around me. It was just quiet, and I had this weird feeling there's there's a feeling when you're on on a scooter or a motorcycle that maybe even a scooter even more because you can't go that fast i'm going top speed on 49 cc's or whatever um but all of your senses are engaged when you're on the road you can hear the sounds of the street you can smell um you can feel the wind and so there's it's sort of just a heightened sense of awareness and um, people liken this to a spiritual experience sometimes. And that's, that's exactly what I felt. I just felt it was quiet. I could just hear the engine rattling a little bit. And I just felt connected to everything. And the verse lyrics just popped into my head. And I kept repeating them over and over after I left the red light and it turned green. And I kept going. And I had this midnight stop on the street red light feet on the ground and it feels right like this high this expression of that experience where i yeah. literally got chills goosebumps from from standing there just this this perspective or this awareness that i am viscerally connected to everything in my surroundings and maybe even the universe <laughs> which sounds trippy and i don't know new agey but that's what i felt and so i pulled over and i typed them into my you know my iphone notes and then went home and then months later pulled them up for this song after I'd done the, uh, the groundwork of laying the, the beat and the, and the bass. Yeah. So I think this was an easy choice for the first song on How to Be Human just because the energy of it seems to embody like the scope of the record. A lot of the topics thematically that are um, tackled on the record are represented in this song. Yeah. So it's kind of like you know, the the opening number of a musical. It's wide and anthemic. It, it establishes themes and reprisals that the rest yeah. of the record kind of breaks down and explores more intimately. Yeah, I don't think people realize that track listing is a big part of the process. I remember we used to go through rounds and rounds of track listing, and Dan would get real, yeah. real meticulous about which song comes next. And I think track listing used to be a big part of people's experience when listening to a record, because you used to listen to a record put it down, you put it on, you listen to it straight front to back. At least that's how it used to be. You know, you pop it in your car and you listen to the whole yeah. thing and how songs transition and what they kind of start up, it's a, it's a big deal. But nowadays it's kind of like single pops on and Spotify, it's just different. But yeah, I think it's hard to divorce that um, thought 
as an artist to create it in a, a you know a theme. We kind of grew up that way where you listen to a, a record front to back, and I kind of like telling a concept or a story throughout the record. I think it's more interesting, and I think our fans are kind of used to that idea. So um, I always try to be really considerate of how how the record's going to unfold for someone listening from the top. And I think, yeah, you know, I know modern music is all about the single and EDM or rap is all about the single, but uh, I think rock has a unique place of in the concept world. And I don't know, I kind of like I kind of like playing with that a bit. Yeah, and I think you should listen to the album front to back, jerk. <laughs> don't skip around. Well. Hopefully you don't want to. Yes. Hopefully each song is, is good enough to, to warrant your attention. Hey, I enjoyed this song a lot. I enjoyed this song a lot. Matt asked me to make the lyric video for it, and I was listening to it, and I I had a little a little connection to the song. I, I, was, I was like having fun editing the, the lyric video and kind of the movements and the ups and downs and listening to your words. And it's cool to be sort of, I don't know, we do this podcast together and we both or songwriters and it's kind of cool to just sit back and now that I know more about you and your personality and where you're at and it feels so similar to where I'm at that it was kind of like I don't know it's cool it's weird it's like I felt like I knew you better in this song than if I had listened to it outside of well obviously you know well I think we both but, see the world in different ways and that's part of the reason why we wanted to start this podcast because we, we would come at different issues in different ways just naturally yeah. Um, but what we've seen as we've kind of maintained this relationship weekly is that we've started to come together on certain things. And I think that's just a metaphor or it's allegorical of the fact that if you maintain relationship with people who see the world differently than you, you will find common ground and you'll find uh, empathy and you will actually start to understand viewpoints. And yeah. I'll move one way and Nate will move uh, the same direction together because we're in this together. And so that's kind of, I think this, this song specifically embodies a lot of the topics that we've gone into, um, about yeah. the expansive nature of life, about the, the meaning in all things about, you know, if you listen to the rain and the rhinoceros episode we did, it sort of yeah. it captures some of that Thomas Merton stuff. And, um, so yeah, I, I, th I think it's interesting that you brought that up because I, I do believe that um, the more we kind of do this podcast, the more we kind of converge in, in our ideas and, or the, at least the more we can understand each other. Well, the more we're kind of talking about the same topics and our friendships growing and we're learning things from each other and we're sharing things. It's just like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's cool to kind of hear the record. And I like the song particularly, uh, the first time you sent me the link to the record, I, this song stood mm. out to me as like, that's... That's probably be the first song they push. I thought that that might be the one with like, so and it and the chorus stuck in my head right away, huh. and I was singing it a couple days later. And that's always a good sign when you remember so much music comes out and you can't remember it. You know, eh, it's probably not that good. <laughs> if you can't remember it after listening to it a couple times. But well, thanks, um, man. I'm glad. Let's check out this tune, right? Yeah. Well, or, I just want to say one thing, and if you guys want to know more. By all means, please go to our Patreon and listen to that Troll Talk 4 episode for our patrons. But, um, there, the, you know, I think there's a lot of misinterpretation out there of, of what this song is and what it's saying. Oh, yeah. um, but just in, in a general sense, the course lyrics are like epiphanies. Um, that's, and that's how they're supposed to come out. They're supposed to come out like these epiphanies about the connection of all things. 
to all things. And I think we naturally have a desire to compartmentalize and to separate, um, separate ourselves from others, us versus them, or to separate the sacred from the secular. But this song is written from the perspective that all things are ultimately sacred when our hearts are open and we are aware. And so it comes down to a self-awareness or a posture, um, to put it religiously, to put on the armor of love because that's what unites. And so that's kind of what the song is about. But if you want to know more about the, uh, the beefing or the people who have farewelled me, by all means, go to uh, trollspodcast.com, click on donate or go to uh, patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls. And so, yeah, without further ado, here is Holy Water. Thank you. Yeah. 
and great vi- lyric video. I mean, just, <laughs> just the, the best, best damn lyric video I've best ever seen. Best possible lyric video ever. <laughs> I, I really agree with that. Uh, I really do. I really, you know, I know you're tooting your own horn or whatever, but I, no, I, I toot it as much as you do. I really like the lyric video. Lyric videos are hard to make because they're just so boring. But every once in a while, a good idea will pop in, and something cool. Oh will come yeah. Out. Oh yeah. So uh, we're, we're moving, moving on, on to number three. Track three. This song's called Not Done With You Yet, Matt. That's right. Yeah, so this is kind of an anthem. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not like a rock anthem, like big chorus, but it's it's an anthem in that it's a mantra or it's something that I keep telling myself as I'm going through this journey of life, that I'm not done yet, that it's not finished yet. I haven't arrived yet. And so going yeah. through like deconstruction of your worldview and Nate, you and I have both done this to some extent, it can be scary. And, you know, you're questioning a lot of presuppositions that you've held in your life and it can take you through some dark places and you can be tempted to even maybe live in the dark places or stay there or have a fixed position of just constant um, skepticism and cynicism and that can kind of control you and, and maybe for a period that's the right thing to do because you have to really experience that. Why do you think people think that's always a bad thing or that's like a well I mean I thing. think it's just globally true through all time that suffering is the number one agent of change. And I think people want to avoid suffering. So they cling to certainty and they um, escape. It's not comfortable to suffer. But truly going into your suffering is the one way that we can get to the other side. And there's joy on the other side. Each death, a new perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think that's the cool thing is when you get to a certain age where you really have physical changes happening mentally in your life and experiences. And I think that's, a, that's the hard part about writing songs when you're young. Yeah. Because you don't really have any life experience. You don't really have a lot to draw from. And you can kind of fake it. And some people do. Some people, man, they're they're young, they're brilliant, and they're dead. And you're like, wow, what happened? That was amazing. Right. Um, but I think the people that write those songs when they're young had probably some really traumatic childhood. Yeah. Place to speak from. Um, you know, there's so many tortured souls out there that have written some really good songs at a young yeah. age. But I think when you, if you keep at it, if you keep writing records and you get to a place, and it seems like this whole record is sort of a statement to your fans, is like, look, I think everything is even more important yeah. than, than you, than you right. might think or you and might realize. And I kept realize. coming back to this idea of not being done with this journey because I have hope that despite all my missteps, all my changes and my flaws, the mantra, I'm not done with you yet, seemed to come from a voice outside of mine, a voice that wasn't done with me. So I'd respond back to that, that I wasn't done with it either. I'm not done with this journey towards truth and love. And you could call that God, and I do. You call it divine reality, ground of all being. Whatever at this point the journey seems most appropriate but the object doesn't change. You know, this is, we're all looking at the same object, trying to clarify from one viewpoint what it is, what is the source of all this life, and what yeah. is our relation to it, and or relationship to it. So my relationship to that object does change as I attempt to honestly tear apart the agreements I'd made about the correct way to conceptualize this object. Um, but I kept, kept coming back to the commitment 
to this journey that we are all unfinished. We're all on the journey and we are all not done yet. There's more on the other side. Um, as we Mm. put one foot in front of the other, there's more ahead of us. And so, you know, speaking of the, uh, Enneagram, Nate, which we just did a two part podcast on, this is a very type eight song. It's admitting all my flaws in a a very unvarnished way. It's tongue in cheek. It's rambling about life and being against the status quo. And this one came out of me in just like a few minutes. And the ones that do that tend to be my favorite. So because they seem the least manufactured and concerned with projecting an image, which uh, Enneagram type eights love, um, just the raw unvarnished truth. And I think that is apparent in this song. So let's hear it. This one's track three called Not Done With You Yet. Life, life can be, life can be senseless, life can be, life can be senseless. I've tried to make sense of it, flashing fake smiles of my friends, these defenselessness I cannot clean up a mess without making more. It's time to settle the score I can't be charmed if you can't be charmed If you gave me everything that I want I will disarm you are the only one who can stop me from giving up and Just my luck I'm not done with you yet I'm not done with you yet You always have to fall before the lift Whether you drink to remember to forget what you did I am the closest thing to a modern day poet fraud But I met God in a velvet Elvis painting that I painted myself In a bar where I was pulling off the bottom shelf When I had to quit before I killed myself I met him there and I was scared So I asked God if he could fix my flaws He said I gave him I know they are killing you, but I'm not done with you yet. 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 Oh, I can be a wreck with my friends to act impressive. I can drink too much and then curse away the sadness. Renting like a lunatic, walking with the bottle of wine.
good tune. <laughs> <laughs> and we are not done with this podcast No, yet. we're not. So we got one more song for you. This one's called Ghost, and you sent this to me last night. Right. The video that you guys uh, shot mm-hmm. for it. And it was, was saying, hey, Nate, how can you help me make this video better? <laughs> and I said, oh, I got some ideas. But I like this tune. It was cool. Yeah. So explain what this song means to you, because I, I know the song better than other sure. ones. Sure. Um, well, I wrote the verse in, in like 2008, and I think it was a demo for our record, Vagabonds. Maybe 2009 I wrote it. Um, and it was inspired by this allegorical story in an old Bible proverb. I think it's Proverbs 7, 7, which it reads like a cautionary tale for young men not to get caught up with adulterers and prostitutes, you know, prostitutes of the married variety. And uh, I thought the language and storytelling was colorful and alarmist. And I could picture like the wise old men of a village reading this to adolescent boys, you know, watch out, she'll get you. Have some sense. Oh, here yeah. she comes. Consider the consequences. Watch out for us. So this is your Hall and Oates. Sure, and anthem. the consequence in that day would have been, you know, death. I mean, I think they could be put to death in the street if you're caught committing adultery, because that's one of the Ten Commandments in, in the Jewish culture. Um, and then, so the course, I wrote, I rewrote the course for this, this album, because I didn't like the previous one. And this is kind of a switch to addressing the group. So it goes from micro to macro, in a sense. Um, saying sort of we're all careless and we all don't consider the consequences of our actions. And when we're faced with those consequences, um, we act as though we've been visited by death itself, that we've seen a ghost. And so in, in a way, our lack of a, uh, self-awareness is what does us in. And, um, and yeah. so the song is called Ghost in that, you know, if the reality is that truth is light, and that's kind of a metaphor for truth, we can find it by the shadow it casts. So the shadows or ghosts give evidence to the glow, the reality of truth. And so the frame at the end of the song is, I'll only be your ghost. I'll only get so close. I'll only be your ghost. As if to say, the shadows aren't the truth, but the shadows are enough. They're really all we have. And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's just a lot of layers in this song, and I love the the yeah. outro, the refrain. It's it's like a what is the chorus lyrics? How shallow are we too careless to see the things that matter most? So much that when you are faced with the truth, you look like you've seen a ghost. I like yeah. that. It's funny. It's like I can just relate so much to the songwriting. It's funny how sometimes you push so hard away from things you grew up with, they kind of swing right back into your life Mm. and you have to sort of make sense of them. And something about wanting to, I don't know, with our podcast and with our records, it was just kind of like, look, this song to me is exactly where I am theologically. Like I finally admitted that like all I do have are shadows. All I do have are these things that are sort of a glimpse of something bigger and better. And And I can't look at it like I have... The evidence. Right. I can't look at it in black and white because what it does to me is it turns me into a fundamentalist. Right. And uh, this, you know, this podcast we're talking about stuff, and we're trying to just just discover and explore. Like, hey, you know, there are all these different ideas and these things. And uh, yeah, the law of three. It's like it's not just binary one and two. There, there might be a third viewpoint that we're missing completely. Sure. And so yeah, it's yeah. you know, and not to be afraid yeah, of that. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So much fear based around it growing up, and I think. 
But if you're an artist and if you stay true to being an artist, you're gonna you're always gonna live in that in that tension. You know? Right. Like a lot of my friends, and I'm sure you get this a lot from your friends, people who are a little more like, you know, sort of nine to five-ish, they sort of thrive in the securities, you know? And uh I think you and I are kind of thriving in the insecurities, like things <laughs> we don't like kind of going, I don't yeah. know. What do yeah. you think? You know, is the earth is the earth a billion years old? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, you know, and everyone would also go, no, 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 you can't say that, you know. <laughs> Dangerous, we're just, slippery sloping it, Nate. You're slippery sloping it with that. But we just, we're just there, yeah. and we're at this, you know, similar ages and similar experiences, got kids, and we have grew up. I, it's just so weird that you and I ended up in this right. podcast together and putting out these records in the same, Yeah, I don't know, I, I, I can relate so much to this. It's, it's cool, cool songwriting, cool songs, and um, I like the growth, and I like the maturity. Thank you. Them, so. Well... Yeah, don't let your stupid fans tell you, <laughs> go back to Albatross. <laughs> I Don't couldn't let them. if I tried. All right. Well, here it is. Uh, this is the last song we're going to premiere on this podcast. This one is track four from How to Be Human, which you can get at theclassiccrime.com. Um, pre-order it now. Uh, you also get um, a media download of our Live in Seattle Albatross record which is we played albatross front to back in seattle and recorded it that comes immediately when you download or pre-order how to be human at the classiccrime.com so if you're interested in that please feel free to go over there and we will play us out with track four ghost